It's good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. And Michael and Elizabeth, you missed out on this morning. The reason that Joe is chastising me so much, I went a little bit over. Just a little bit, though. <laughs> all I can say is the friends like Joe, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to try to keep it shorter. Tonight, we're finishing up. <laughs> For tonight, we're going to finish up our series on the temptations of Jesus. And we've been talking about each one one by one as a single lesson and tonight we're going to look at the pride of life and how that applies to us. Now, even though we've been going through the temptations of Jesus, there's another theme passage that we've been looking at in 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 it reads like this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. What we learn from this passage is that we are not to love the world or the things in the world. Things of the world are certainly not of the Father. And so we are to avoid them. The things of the world are listed as the lust of the flesh. This is not of the Father. The lust of the eyes, this is also not of the Father. And the pride of life. Anything that we may seek that is not of the Father. One of the things that we have to understand about it is, is that it is only temporary. Anything of the world, anything created by man in the world is only temporary. We may look for pleasure. We may look for physical gain. But anything gained by giving in to these temptations will be done away with in eternity as they will pass away with the world. So what do we do? We set our mind on things above, the things of God, not on the things of the world and certainly not on the lusts that we've been talking about. The pride of life, the pride of life is a temptation to be avoided. Often any lusts through flesh or sight, which we have been talking about in the last few weeks, leads to pride and arrogance. I want to take a quick notice at Eve and the temptation that she faced. When we look at Genesis chapter 3, and in particularly verse 6, it says this, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now if we break that temptation down and look exactly at what, she, what happened with her. First of all, she saw the tree was good for food. Lust of the flesh. She saw the food, she desired it, and that was one of the temptations that she faced. 
Secondly, she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. It looked good. So we have lust of the eyes. So we have just seen two of those temptations. Let's look at the third one. The third one is that she saw a tree desirable to make one wise. Wisdom. She desired worldly wisdom. She desired to be like God because Satan tempted her with that evil. And then it says that she took of its fruit and ate. So we see that just looking at Eve, we see all three of the temptations that we're talking about. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. One led to the other until she was tempted to turn away from God. And then she gave to her husband with her. And he ate. One of the key things that we notice about the temptation of Eve, and the temptation of Adam too, is he gave in as well. We notice that pride will come between us and God, just as it did them. Just as we look at Adam and Eve and we see how pride led them to turn away from God, it put a barrier between them and God. They were cast out of the garden. They no longer communed with Him as they had. They were no longer favorable in His sight. Same way with temptation today. It will come between us and God if we allow it to. But let's look at the temptation of Jesus. Let's look at how Jesus was tempted by the pride of life. As we look at the text in Luke chapter 4, we begin verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Now, previously, we have seen how he was tempted by the lust of the flesh. He was tempted to turn stones to bread to fill his hunger. He was tempted by the lust of the eyes. He was told to bow before Satan, worshiping him. If he did that, he would be given authority over all the kingdoms of the world. But now we notice the, the current temptation that we're looking at tonight. The pride of life in verse 9. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And finally we read in verse 13, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Jesus was tempted this time by the pride of life. He was told to prove by miraculous exhibition that He was the Son of God. But did He? No. You know, Jesus could have shown the world 
He could have shown everyone exactly who he was. But as with the other temptations, he quoted scripture, he did not give in. As we look at Jesus' life, we see that he would face much opposition and ridicule. And even those that would want him dead to the point that they actually crucified him on a cross. And in many ways, Satan's temptation prepared him for his future ministry. As he did not give in to Satan. As he did not give in to show that he was the Son of God, as he very well could have done. He could have shown the whole world. All those people that would ridicule him wouldn't have happened, would it? Because they would have seen that he was the Son of God. But he did not give in to the temptation that was before him. Now, we are tempted by the same temptation that Satan used against Jesus. But how are we tempted by the pride of life? How are we tempted? First of all, let's have a good understanding of what pride is. Pride is, by definition, a feeling or deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. The achievements of those with whom one is closely associated. Or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Just to put it in plain English, pride is a focus on self. You know, some pride is constructive to some degree. We look at children especially. I see it all the time. But you know, you have children that, that are always saying, Look at me. Look at what I did. I did it all by myself. That's constructive because when they are proud of their achievements, when they are proud of what they have done, they can build on that. They can grow. They can do all kinds of things as they grow older. We often tell them that they can be whatever they want to be. It's their choice. And certainly it is. But as we also find in society, too much pride can also be destructive. It can cause arrogance and boastfulness. It causes one to be overconfident and hides faults that need to be corrected. When we look at certain people, I think we can see pride within them. It's easier to see pride in them than it is to see the things that they have done. Pride leads to a whole list of things that are contrary to God's word and will. As we look at pride, we notice that it can cause spiritual oblivion. Spiritual blindness, if you will. They are blind to their wrongs. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3 verses 9 and 10. Romans 3 and verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, 
There is none righteous. No, not one. See, the apostles, they were often mistaken for being better than what they were. When they, in all reality, they taught that everyone was under the same condemnation. No one is without sin. No one is righteous, not fully righteous, especially not by our, our own deeds or anything that we've earned. Pride sees itself as better than others. However, as we have looked at this passage, we see that all are under the condemnation of sin. And it is only through the blood of Christ that we are made righteous. Nothing that we can be proud of except to be proud in Christ. Proud of what He has done for us. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my Lord. It's probably one of my favorite verses of when I survey the wondrous cross. Pride also, if we are not careful, will lead to spiritual forgetfulness. Sometimes we, as Christians, can be forgetful of who we are. We have to remember that we are servants of God. Notice what is said in Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. Luke 17 and verse 7. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in, in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will, you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. The good deeds that we do in the sight of God and in the sight of others are not to gain notice to ourselves. It's not to bring attention to ourselves. But when we do good, when we do what we are told to in Scripture, we have to understand that we are doing as we are commanded. Not something that brings attention to us, but it brings attention to God. Or at least it should. My purpose here is not to bring attention to me in the pulpit, but to bring attention to God's Word. That's what I endeavor to do. And we understand that we are rewarded when we do the will of our Master, but only when we have done His will in the way that He has set forth for us to do. Again, it's not to bring glory and honor to self. But it's all to bring glory and honor to God. We should not seek any reward of this world for doing good things. 
that God has told us to do, we must remember that we are servants. Speaking of liberty versus love in Romans chapter 14, verses 14 through 19, Romans 14 verse 14, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one from whom Christ died, or for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now notice verse 18. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify Another. Our purpose is to serve Christ, to serve God. We are servants under the care of our Master. <coughs> Nothing that we do should bring glory to us, but all should bring glory to God. Pride can also cause us to be judgmental. I want to take a moment to look at one of the thieves on the cross next to Jesus. Turn to Luke 23. Let's notice verses 39 through 41. Luke 23 verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Doesn't that sound kind of familiar? When we think of the temptations of Jesus, did Satan not say the same things? If you are the Christ, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. In verse 40, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. See, as we look at the thief, as we look at the criminal that blasphemed Jesus, we see that he forgot, or maybe simply neglected, to see it. But he forgot why he himself was being crucified. He, he was on the same cross. He was suffering the same death, the same torture that Jesus was, at least to some degree. I think Jesus had the worst of it. But in condemning Christ, he forgot his own condemnation. He was proud. What he was proud of, I don't know. But pride, I believe, had something to do with what he had to say. You see, pride can keep us from repentance also. Repentance requires humility. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses 5 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. 
and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. We are to be submissive. Not only are we to be submissive, but we are to clothe ourselves with submission and humility. That's the attitude that we need to have in all that we say and do. We need to have an attitude of humility. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We need to be humble, understanding what we deserve and what we've been given. Pride is condemned in several places in Scripture. I want to close our lesson by looking at at least a couple of those. First of all, pride is condemned in regard to leadership. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, notice verses 1 and 6. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop... He desires a good work. And from there, it goes on to give a list of qualifications that elders are to have. One of those in verse 6, 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. When we look at the leaders of the church, they cannot be prideful. They cannot be self-seeking. They have to seek the good of the congregation. And so pride is one of the things that is warned against when it comes to leadership. They're not to be new Christians. They're not to be novices. Lest being puffed up with pride, they fall into condemnation. We know from what Jesus taught of the Pharisees that pride comes from within and defiles. Notice Mark chapter 7 verses 20 through 23. And he said, What comes out of man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Pride comes from within. It's something that we have to guard against from within, from within our own hearts and keep it far from us. We read Romans chapter 1 this morning, at least a portion of it. Romans chapter 1, 
Verses 28 through 32, we find that pride is listed among the things that God gave them up to the world, to their worldly passions, to their worldly desires. Romans 1, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Among this great list, certainly as Kurt mentioned this morning, Paul is not without words here in regard to these people. But in this long list of, of evils to avoid, being proud, being boastful is a part of that list. But notice what he says in verse 32, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Pride is deserving of death. Pridefulness is a sin to be avoided. It's one of the things that can lead to so many others if we are not careful. The one is free to do the things contrary to God's will. He is not free from the consequences. And we have freedom in this life to make our own choices. Of the things that we want to do, the things that we think need to be done, we have the ability to make choices. But we cannot avoid the consequences of our choices. We will face the consequences of our actions one day. If not here in this life, we will face them in eternity. Pride leads to spiritual death. So many that are prideful, maybe they even think that they're faithful. And yet they have a prideful attitude about them. They're spiritually dead. We cannot have pride within us and be faithful to God. I remember a lesson that my grandfather taught me many years ago now, I guess. But I remember going to the singings. We, we went all the time. Still do. But one of the things that 
I never forgot there was a night. And, and usually at the scenes, every so often you might see someone leading and, and it just appears that they have a prideful attitude about them. And one of the things that my grandfather taught me, he said, don't get a big head because I want to be able to get you home at night. And I always remembered that. I want to be able to get you in the car and take you home. And remembering that, I try to remember to be humble in that respect. There are so many ways that pridefulness can lead us away from God. And as I mentioned before, sometimes it's even within the church. Sometimes it's something that is so easy to miss within our own lives, and yet everybody else can see it. But we need to make sure that we are humble. That we are of a humble attitude. A humble mindset. That we are humble before God knowing what He has done for us. That there's nothing that we have done in this life to deserve anything that we have received. Anything good that we have received. There's nothing that we can do to deserve salvation, for instance. It's all because of Christ because of His sacrifice that we have the ability to even come before God. I hope that that's not a sin that, that is besetting us. That is keeping a barrier between us and God. But if there is something in your life that is to be corrected, then we pray that you would do it tonight. If you need to become a Christian, Knowing what you need to do. Knowing what we're taught in scriptures. About faith. Repentance. Confession. Baptism for the remission of sins. If you need to do those things. I'd be glad to help you. But if as a Christian you've turned away from God. Not been as faithful as you need to be. We'll give you the opportunity to repent. And to come back to God. Come back to Him. Rededicate your life to Him. But if there's any way that we can help you, whether it be in obedience or repentance, we we'll give the opportunity to, now as together we stand and as we sing. Oh.